This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the Misfit Nation. Have you forgotten how it felt that day? To see your homeland under fire and her people blown away. Have you forgotten when those towers fell? We had neighbors still inside, going through a living hell. And you say we shouldn't worry about Bin Laden. Have you forgotten? Those lyrics by Daryl Worley just after 9-11 occurred in our country. Have you forgotten? It's been 20 years since the United States got kicked in the balls by Al-Qaeda and launched us into the longest war in our history, the global war on terror. Hell, we are just pulling out of Afghanistan now. Do you remember what life was like before 9-11? I kind of do. It was much simpler. No social media, barely any email, and people spoke face-to-face with each other. It was a crazy time in our lives. Do you remember where you were on the day it happened? I'll never forget where I had the pleasure of being when our country was attacked. I was in the desert of Kuwait with the best soldiers in the world, the dirty decon dozen of the 1st Engineer Battalion, 1st Brigade, 1st Infantry Division. Most of this group has gone on to become great leaders in the United States Army and in their life ventures, truly an amazing group of humans. When we got home, we saw patriotism everywhere that I can honestly say I do not remember since the bicentennial in 1976 when I was just a kid. This patriotism, however, was short-lived. After less than a year, the flags were gone, people were all about themselves again, and many act like nothing happened. There are tons of people who are patriotic on Memorial Day and the 4th of July, since they can party those days. Before serving in the Army, I was one of them. After serving, I'm never going to be like that again. You cannot look out from Liberty Park in Jersey City and see the Twin Towers anymore. There is that tower they built in this place. You can no longer just meet a loved one at the gate of an airport. Everything changed. Everything. Now, imagine you move to the city just months after attacking World Trade Center in 1993 and settle in blocks from the iconic buildings. You are then present when the attacks on 9-11 occur. And not only decide to stay after watching all the buildings fall from your apartment, you decide to dedicate yourself to ensuring the heroes of that day and that period after are never forgotten. You become a tour guide at the site of Ground Zero. Our next guest has written a book out of the shadow of 9-11, an inspiring tale of escape and transformation. So without further ado, let's get author and tour guide Christina Ray Stanton on here. So I had yeah, written you, obviously you have a, a big background with, with 9-11 from a different perspective. Right. And, um, you know, my perspective was really just being a resident of the neighborhood where the attacks took place. 
And um, I've lived I've lived in a financial district since let's see, well, when we got married, uh, you know, really since about two uh, two thousand. Okay. And, um, I you know, there's been over six hundred books written about nine eleven, but I had not ne- I'd never I, so I I I've read a lot of them, but I had never found one from the perspective of somebody who lived in the area, and I just thought that. I decided to write a book about it just because I thought that it, it had a, some unique perspective on what the area was like before, during, and after um, that just hadn't gotten out there, that many people hadn't heard that particular voice. And I just thought, well, I just might add to a greater knowledge of, of that day, just, you know, more of a, more of a, of a view of it. Um, so that's what I did. So I spent five years writing it because I'm not much of a book writer. So, and I, of course, used uh, editors and, but um, I'm glad that I wrote about it because uh, even more so, I've, I've realized that, wow, yeah, I mean, a lot of people think that 9-11 consisted of, you know, the airplanes and the towers when it, it, was, it was a lot more than that. And it caused a lot of ripple effects that, um, I don't know, I just, I feel like it's, it's, it's it, there's some, a lot of sub stories that, that have gotten lost out there. I think very familiar to New York and maybe like where you lived in Jersey City, but not, not so much around the rest of the country. And I know that because I'm also a licensed New York City tour guide. So I've been a tour guide since 1995. I got licensed um, then. So I was giving tours of the World Trade Center complex, you know, years before the attacks. And then after the attacks happened, uh, as time went on and years went by, and I would ask tourist, you know, tell me what you know about the attacks. It was pretty narrow, I felt. It was across the board, too. No matter where you're from in the United States, it was, you know, again, about the planes and the towers. Again, very important stories. But I felt that um, it, there was a lot of one-dimensional kind of answers that I got. And so I was like, well, so I just kind of put my bid, you know, in there to, you know, maybe round out the information maybe a little bit more. But yeah, I definitely have a deep passion for 9-11 education, for sure. It's important. Yeah, and you have, a, you have a much better perspective, I think, having a, a bird's eye view of the everything that went down. I mean, you were just, what, six blocks away, I think it says. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's rapid. It's really close to where the, the initial attack occurred, and you got to see not just the attack, but you witnessed it fall, and all the buildings around it also fall. And, right. And the lives just displaced. And like you said, the third... It wasn't the exact the attack was all that happened. It was the third and fourth order effects of that attack that still are felt today. Oh yes, oh yeah. So, so I, you know, I'll tell tourists <clears throat> when they come up to New York City, and in the last couple of years, I I remember I think it was three years ago that one of the stations that collapsed, the Cortland Street uh, Street Station, the the NNR, you know, they just got that back up and running. Literally seventeen years after the attacks. That's it. That's oh. such a lot, and people didn't know there's actually a station that's still not open from the attacks that imploded or that for instance, that remains are still being identified. That's a, that's a shocker for a lot of people. Uh, or maybe that they even find are still finding parts of, of the plane. I think it was only a few years ago that they found one of the landing gear or whatever lodged behind one of the buildings. Um, and then those are, those are you know, side issues to what the real issue is, is that people are dying who uh, inhaled the toxic um, dust from the day. And that's an ongoing, horrible situation that's, that's occurring. And a, a lot of people aren't, aren't as aware of that. But I think that we've just recently passed the threshold 
of more people have died since 9-11 because they were poisoned by the dust and debris that came down than people who, the amount that died that day. And it's an ongoing horrible thing. A lot of, a lot of rescue workers and, and people died of COVID because their, their, their systems were already compromised through 9-11. So in a lot of ways, uh, were related. And um, yeah, so um, those are just, you know, some important stories because the effects still go on to this day. You know, people still suffer PTSD from that. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, again, it's, it's not so far in the past. You know, I take a lot of uh, student groups on tours and I try to, you know, bring home that point that it's, it's really, it really wasn't that long ago. In fact, it's, it's, it's so short that 9-11 hasn't made a lot of their textbooks just yet. Right? Right. I read actually an article about that yesterday that um, a lot of 9-11 education depends on the teachers or what the teachers you know, choose to tell their students, whether it's a history class or social studies or what have you. And it's, it's really based on what the teacher knows themselves, um, just because a lot of the textbooks haven't caught up with, with you know, 20 years ago. So, um, yeah, so definitely I have a, a, a passion because it's just, it, you know, ushered in a whole new world for everybody. Yes, it changed a lot of uh, the way people think. And I remember I came home after that deployment, uh, probably by Christmas time, I think. I got the, we drove up there and the flags were all hanging along the parkway, like at every overpass. And uh, once we got into New Jersey, there was flags everywhere showing patriotism. Then I went back uh, after my next deployment to Iraq in 03, 04. And most of those flags were gone, and the the vibe of patriotism was gone, except on the days when you get hot dogs and hamburgers. <laughs> yeah. I I talk about that in my book. That uh, I remember within days after the attacks, I was walking my dog through the streets of Manhattan, and it had it was like an explosion of American patriotism. There were flags everywhere, and I don't consider New York City an unpatriotic city. But I have to say, you don't see flags, you know, literally like everywhere, you know, um, but there were, I mean, there are flags everywhere. There was, there was uh, tables with all kinds of different flags for sale. I remember picking up a few, but you know, just the, the whole country really um, was just exploded in, in patriotism. Yeah, it was, it was a shock to me to see it because, I mean, I never seen it before and then I seen it then and then it just faded away rapidly. And even now it's only, I mean, here it's, it's pretty high patriotism because we have a military base right here. So everyone's pretty patriotic here, but as you spread away from that, you don't have that route to the military, I guess, or to someone that was involved with something. You don't have that patriotism everywhere you go anymore. And I guess it's, it's looked down upon the habit by some people. Some people love it. Some people hate it, but it's, it is what it is. And it's like you said, people are forgetting about a major event that happened to our whole country to cause where we are today. Well, you know, some people will call it the worst terrorist attack on U.S. soil, and that's true, but but what we really should be knowing it for is the worst terrorist attack in world history. The, you know, th that is, that it still is the definitive. It still is the worst <laughs> in world history. This is a major U.S. event and world event. And actually, a surprise that I have is that, that there hasn't been, let's say, more movies about it. When I think of the World War II, you know, there's, there's a lot of movies out on that. There's, there's, there's quite a lot of movies out on, on, on all the wars. And there are a few 
movies out. I think it was The Flight 93. And then there's the one with Nicolas Cage about the last stairwell. But there really hasn't been a lot of coverage or a lot of a lot of you know, Hollywood kind of coverage on on 9-11. There's tons of documentaries out. And I'm a documentary girl. I love documentaries. There's quite a bit on that. And, and as, as I've said before, there's quite a bit of books. A lot of the books are geared toward terrorists and terrorism uh, and things like that. Not as much, not as much from the human perspective that I, I think, I mean, there are some for sure, but um, I just, I, I just feel that um, the, the lack of knowledge is also reflected in, in popular movies, for instance. Yeah. Yes. I was going to say the same thing as a lot of documentaries. I think last year, last year I sat and watched History Channel, I think all day. Yes. It was my first time I was able to sit down and just actually watch all these documentaries. Because I was gone basically constantly until 2015. I didn't get to see all this stuff. I, I seen headlines, but I knew I was just doing my job somewhere else because of it. And watching the documentaries, I actually got to see a lot more of it. And I did see the Nicolas Cage movie because I like Nicolas Cage. Yes. So, but that was the only movie I really knew that, about the New York side of it. Flight 93 is a, is a, just about the the one flight. Right, it's a, it's a slice, right? It's yeah. a slice of, of 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 an aspect of the day, an important one, of course. I actually had a, a hard time through that because it's they. I understand that they really made that that movie pretty close to the you know the actuality, and I, it just it, it it just grieves me so much to think that those people lived in that kind of terror, and it lasted a while. You know, just think about it. Like one minute is a long time to be in terror like that, yeah. but. For as long as they were, that's that's tough, and um, so it's a great movie. It's just hard for me to 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 get through. And it's a, not having that unknown of what's going to really happen next. And at that point, we didn't have uh, awesome cell phone technology, and the they had to use those little phones on the seats that used yeah. to be on the on the planes. And so that's how they were getting their updates, and that's how they found out that oh, this might be the end for us. Right, 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 right. And I have to say that. Um, that another aspect that I think kind of loses how, how horrifying it is, is the fact that it did take those two towers, 102 and 56 uh, minutes to come down. That's a really long time. And a lot of people survived the, yes. um, uh, you know, the initial crashes, not, not necessarily in the planes I'm talking about, but people in the upper floors, but they, they had a lot, that's a long time to think about the impending doom. It's, it's, it's a lot. And, and conditions got worse and worse for them as they're realizing that their life is going to end. And it was an excruciating way and slow way to get murdered, essentially. And, uh, and there's no other way to, there's no, there's no happier way to put it. It wasn't quick. It wasn't painless. It was painful and it lasted a long time. And it was probably that growing understanding that this is the end. It, it just couldn't have couldn't have been worse. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a horrible. The unknown feeling is what can uh, drive you to uh, basically insanity. And then some of the people were pushed to their breaking point, or they're basically cooking inside the building. Right. So they had no choice but to make that leap. And we've seen a lot do that that day. Yeah, I heard. Um, uh, they think around two hundred. Yeah. And another, and I think all of them were known to be coming from the North Tower, that just things were especially bad from that North Tower, and which, of course, fills me with total just um, horror, because my husband had found out, my husband went to Clemson University and graduated from there, 
And there was a fraternity brother, an ATO fraternity brother who had died in the North Tower. And uh, I, th- I think about him that that those people, those people, you know, it was, it was just really awful um, that really their only cause of action that they could that they could do after a while is is to um, to, 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 to fall outside the windows. It's just it's just it's just horrible. Um, right. you might have heard that um, about 200 people died in the elevators as well. It's considered the largest elevator disaster in history. And that was another particularly horrible death because they were entombed in uh, the elevators. They couldn't go anywhere. No one was there to save them. There was there was no elevator mechanics who were there to to help them out. And how the building had them um, ha- had the ed- elevators as they were literally locked inside. And just um, it you know it just goes from worse to worse to worse to worse. There's um, and, and, and if I've ever talking to a student group, I don't linger on some of the more horrific stories because it's bad enough, but it's almost like, you know, there's not an action movie or a movie that's bad enough to encapsulate how, how, how bad these deaths were. And, um, and it's, it's something to, 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 to remember. It is, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's why we never forget. It's why we need to remember um, just these, this horrible mass murder but also, again, it just uh, kind of ushered the United States out of any kind of innocence that anybody was in, and to a new age of, of terrorism. And um, it's that was a that was the dividing line. So um, you know, I have to say, the 9/11 Museum does a wonderful job at depicting this without going, without making it unbearable. You know what I'm saying? So I remember the first time I went to that museum um, on the site, uh, I couldn't get couldn't get through it didn't I didn't last too long but I'm a tour guide and so guess what I went all the time because <laughs> I had to and I got to where I and it, I actually know it very well at this point and I it's just done it's it 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 gets right up to that threshold of making you understand how horrible this was and how significant this was to our country without making you run screaming out the door and that's a hard that's a hard line to, 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 you know, to, to walk, but it, it's just, it's a wonderful museum. I really wish every single group would go to it. You know, like I said, I do a lot of student tour groups and about half of them do. I understand it's a downer. I understand it's, uh, <laughs> it's um, when people want to go to Broadway shows and, and, and chill out in Times Square that it's, it kind of interrupts the, <laughs> it brings us back to reality and a city that has a lot of diversions, but it's an important, it's an important <laughs> museum to go to. A ton of diversions, yes. <laughs> and and it's well done. So I just would say I would just challenge everybody, just make time for that on, on in your New York City vacation. Yeah, I think we were up there in either 18 or 19, I think it was pre-pandemic, and we went up there. Uh, we went to the site. We didn't go in the museum because it was just jam-packed with people. So, mm-hmm. so we moved on. Well, even to tell you the truth, just just uh, touring the grounds is fantastic. Right. I, mean, I mean, it's just um, there's docent tours. There's 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 tours of the actual of the memorial that is that the tour guides are issued by the Memorial Museum, and they're fabulous. But just even um, even going to the memorial, even just for certain, you know, take time for that because it's 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 wonderfully done. It's beautiful. Yeah, we've seen the we went to the I guess the reflection ponds uh, for each tower. That was that was mm-hmm. pretty amazing. And the statues that were there, 
Uh, art, it's technically artwork called Reflecting Absence. It's, that's what its, it's, its actual name is. Okay. But, you know, one of, the, one of the aspects I think is most interesting about those, those ponds is how they have the names. I love the stories yeah. of how they decided to list the names. So instead of a generic um, uh, A through Z last name first of, of the almost 3,000 people who died that day, and they also have the, the six 1993 uh, victims. They have people uh, listed next to who meant something to them. So for instance, if I told you about my husband's Clemson fraternity brother, he was dating somebody in, in, the, in, in his office and they are listed next to each other. They both died. Mm. Um, Cantor Fitzgerald, which is the company that lost 658 people, they, the most of any company in, in in the Twin Towers, both Twin Towers together. So at any rate, uh, but they're listed next to each other. So there's a lot of lovely stories about strangers who actually died um, comforting each other. And it's known that they were together when they died. And even though they, were, they had been strangers up until that point, they were listed next to each other. So there's, there's just wonderful stories um, uh, of, of how they decided to, to list the names. And that's one, you know, one of the reasons I understand that they took so long to um, to finish the memorials is because they were trying to get so much input from you know different entities, from parents and coworkers, to see how they could be best placed. But that that's wonderful. And I think the the horse soldier monument that's up there; those guys actually came from right here. At that the horse that's depicted at the World Trade oh. Center site, those oh, guys were, they were You're stationed talking about right the, the sculpture at Liberty Park. It's a no. It's a horse soldier. It should be by the World Trade Center area. Yeah. It's the first. They were the first guys to go in, and they went in with a piece of the World Trade Center into Afghanistan. Okay. I just know that there's a sculpture of a horse that um, it's uh it's yeah it's next to the World Trade Center. It's next to the sphere on this this little acre park called Liberty Park. Actually, if I can give a little advice, my favorite place to view the memorial is Liberty Park. So Liberty Park is basically a one acre park that was built on the roof of the nearby, let's say, um, security checkpoint. And um, so it's kind of a makeshift park, but it's absolutely beautiful, but it's literally an overlook of the memorial. And I do a lot of, I conduct a lot of my tours there. So we go up there and we see the sphere and we're able to look over the, the World Trade Center site. And it's a great, great overlook. I mean, then of course, from there, we, we go physically down to the memorial, but uh, it's, it's a little tip if anybody goes to the memorial that um, definitely go up onto that little Liberty Park. And you're gonna see what I mean, because it's, there's nothing like it around. It's, it's an elevated park right next to the, uh, the World Trade Center complex. Okay. Yeah. I think Liberty Park, I think of Jersey City. <laughs> oh, of course, of course, yes. <laughs> yeah, Liberty State Park, right, yeah, right. <laughs> That's how I was confused when you said it. No, it's not there. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, yes, I understand what you're saying, right. Liberty Park is just, yeah, this 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 little uh, top of a, of a building <laughs> that they turned into a park. It's also interesting, too, but they, they took a sapling from the Anne Frank tree and um, planted it there. You know, Anne Frank, uh, in her diary, they... Um, she mentions a tree that she could see from her one window and they actually cut some shoots off of that tree and they planted it there on this, on this little, little park. And I just think that's a, a lovely place. And it's, 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 a, it's a proper tree now it's bloomed and everything, but everything about the World Trade Center site is, is, is just wonderful. 
So yeah, I think they did a great job with the with what they had there and uh and respectfully they did it. No, they did. Absolutely. Yeah. So we Absolutely. really get into the the COVID book if you want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, yeah. Before we run out of time here. Yeah, so um so you know I started hearing uh, I think it was like last February, March, really uh, of 2020, very early that if you w- went through 9-11, you inhaled that dust. We all know that that compromised our systems. My husband and I are very aware of it. We're a member of the World Trade Center Health Registry that monitors our health um, from inhaling that toxic dust. And so when it was apparent that the pandemic was was coming and it was going to be bad, we wanted to kind of clear out to tell you the truth and kind of spare us of um, potentially a, a bad case. And it was because it was t- completely related to 9-11. That was the original reason why we started getting particularly nervous of, about uh, uh, the, you know, the coming pandemic. So we uh, got on a flight, uh, I think it was March 13th, when, when, you know, it was clear that the pandemic was coming and things were starting to shut down. But um, I, I think I, it was just short of, you know, full on panic, really. Um, but we got on a flight and flew down to Tampa, Florida. I am not from Tampa, but we flew down there uh, to visit some friends before um, before we moved on from there. And we were just really trying to outrun the pandemic is what we were doing. Right. Well, we didn't do such a good job of outrunning it because we either caught it right before we got on the plane or on the plane. And we'll never know. But I felt fine on the plane, and um, there were very few people on that plane, and we all had masks. And uh, back th- at the time, we were wearing gloves even. And I felt fine as soon as we stepped off the plane. I thought, I thought, great, we'd outrun it. We've we've moved on. It's not going to get us. We're going to sequester ourselves here, and we're going to ride out this thing. But uh, we didn't. And within days, I knew that this was going to be rough for me. And so, and it was, and I was hospitalized twice. And uh, the doctor told me I had about a 50% chance of surviving it because it was a really bad case. It was, you know, one thing you don't hear a lot about how painful it was. I was in a huge amount of pain, more pain than I've ever been in any, any time in my life. And I, my husband and I talked about wills. We talked to, we, we made all kinds of plans. It just wasn't looking good. And I, I did thank God recover. But it was it was a, it was a long haul. I I still really have no sense of taste or smell. I have what they call long haul syndrome, and I still uh, I need to work on my my lung capacity. I'm still pretty stationary, whereas in New York City I walked eight miles a day because you just do. Um, lost about three quarters of my hair. Uh, all the you know, but those are those are ancillary things. I'm just really glad to be here because it could have. There was definitely times when I knew that was a crucial point that was going to go either way. In fact, there was one night in particular, I really felt like the, uh, uh, those, those terrible, that terrible little virus was trying very hard to kill me. And I knew that, that, uh, it was going to, it was going to be a, a, the night of my life. And it was, and it was, it worked really hard. So, um, but yeah, made it to the other side, but you know, it made me think about, you know, 9-11 a lot because to me, for me, the experience was related. And also, I I also, um, through our experience with 9-11, uh, 
it was, it was, uh, I had, I suffered PTSD afterwards and it just, we had a long time recovering then. I almost felt like with COVID, I had, I had more resources within myself to, to face this calamity that I didn't have at 9-11. Now, a lot of that has to do with age and wisdom. You know, I'm 51 now. I was, I guess, 31 when 9-11 happened, but, but, um, I, you know, I was, I wasn't prepared to, uh, to kind of face what our experience was in 9-11. And, and I really struggled for, for a while after that, uh, emotionally and mentally. And when it came to this, you know, facing COVID, I, I just felt like a lot more prepared really through, through what I gained and what I learned through 9-11 that, uh, prepared me more emotionally to face this, this issue. So um, in my mind, they're completely related more ways than one, but I'm still here. And um, uh, my husband, thankfully, did not have any near as bad as I, as I did. And, but it was, you know, it was as a nasty, nasty virus. Yeah, I, I did not in, uh, know I had it. I had it, I guess, in July of last year after having a huge training event here with soldiers. So I still train soldiers. And I went down pretty hard for almost a week after. And then um, when I got my second shot of Moderna, I went down extremely hard. And mm. I reached out to my sister-in-law. She's a doctor and, and other friends. And they said, yeah, you probably had it before and didn't even know it. That's why it's so bad now. Ah, wow. Well, I, um, you know, I, I really grieve for, for those who died because it was... I, I know based on my experience, a lot of them was, it was a painful and lonely death. You know, I was in the hospital um, in Tampa. I don't know Tampa. We were only there because we got a cheap flight there and all of a sudden <laughs> I'm hospitalized there. And I, you know, of course I'm alone as people were um, in quarantine in the hospital and, you know, it's, 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 it's painful and it's, it's lonely. And it is, um, that was, it was, a, it was a scary death for and painful death for a lot of people and it's just and it's a, so so many people who died from it so i'm glad that we're emerging but i'm also thinking i have a lot of friends overseas who are still very much in harm's way and of course people are still dying in the country i mean i, I think i um was already reading that the deaths are in the hundreds in new york city alone you know i think in um the town i'm living in in uh, tallahassee florida there's there's uh, several deaths per, per week. And I mean, it's still going on. Um, I have friends who live in South Africa and Madagascar who say that people are literally like dying in the streets there. And so to me, uh, until we've all kind of emerged from pandemic, I, I, I feel like, um, I'm not going to be one say, yay, it's over. I'm out doing this and this, like, you know, we're, you know, it's, it's still going on. There's still a huge amount of suffering. People are still dying in, in, in huge numbers. It's just, it's just terrible. I'm just, um, just, just kind of just still kind of shocked that this happened, you know? Yeah. It's a, uh, I think it was a lot of, it will never happen here mentality in the United States. I lived in Korea when uh, SARS was going on there. So I seen that happen. I seen how they actually combated it there. And so I was kind of a witness to it, but they only combated it on their own people. So on the, those mm. uh, who were in Korea, Korean people, they were actually taking care of us as soldiers in, in the army over there. We were just living our life. We didn't take any chances, any risks 
that were crazy, but we still went out in the population and we went shopping and we did everything with the unknown fear factor that this also can kill us. So, mm. And then when it happened last year here, I was like, ah, so all that experience there, we should have wrote some stuff down to get ready. Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I remember telling a friend of mine in South Africa, you know, there's, I was telling him go out and, and get at least just stock up on Tylenol because it's just, it's so painful. It's just, it's about the only thing it responded to with me and my body. And he said, Christina, there's no Tylenol here. And I was like, oh my gosh, they actually, <laughs> I was like, he has potentially to face this pandemic without even Tylenol. And, and like I said, it was just so excruciatingly painful. Um, yeah, it breaks my heart. And India, I'm, I didn't yeah. mention India, just, just absolutely awful. I watched them. I watched them from uh, from a distance, uh, so I kind of do some uh, open source intelligence too. So I watched them, and I watched China since they have the biggest populations to see why they weren't getting the numbers we were having here. And then all of a sudden, it finally happened. And they were finally reporting it, and now it's just it's a tidal wave now. There, they're trying to play play from the back, trying to catch up, and it's hard. Mm. Mm. Well, yeah. So I wrote a wrote a book about um, 9/11, and and I do a lot of speaking about 9/11, um, just in different venues. I'm actually going to be at a couple of prisons the next couple of weeks. I I enjoy speaking there. Um, I I enjoy speaking about 9/11 just about to anybody, to tell you the truth. And <laughs> and they're they're that they're in. An, an engaged audience just like any other audiences and i'm also speaking at a church sunday and it's a uh, yeah part of it too i like to educate i mean i'm a tour guide at heart i think and <laughs> along with my first hand you know account of it but um yeah i just want people to to really take it seriously and really remember um, on patriots day you know what happened 20 years ago and it's you know anniversary years are always big years and yes. it's a big year so i'm just hoping that you know even in the midst of the pandemic and people are trying to, you know, restart their lives again in some cases that it won't get lost in the shuffle, so to speak. Right. Hopefully everyone can start thinking, remember it, but still move forward. Right. Yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It'd be good for the people to actually still remember it this year because it's a big anniversary 20 years ago. I mean, I had a, I had a squad of just basically young men and women with me in, in Kuwait when this happened and they're all grown adults now with families of their own and doing great things in life because they took that as a lesson and they moved forward positively and they've all had a positive life from then and I just hope everyone else can have that same thing as they move forward past this 20th anniversary and don't let don't dwell on it but just remember and have respect for it right right I mean it's a, it's a time to honor um, lives that were lost, uh, and that, and also, um, it's a good time to remember that about you know being patriotic. We live in a country that that um, you know is hated by some, loved by some, but you know, good or bad or whatever anybody thinks about this country, we're all we're all in it, and yeah. um, you know to do, to do our best to 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 love each other and to look out for each other. I mean, I have to say that nine um, eleven 
had a real effect on on New Yorkers. Uh, I mean, I've lived I lived there for I think eight years before the attacks, and I just kind of always got the impression that it was a town that was out for itself and that people were kind of cold to each other. But I really saw that change after 9-11. I felt like people realized, well, if I'm safe, then we're all safe. You know, <laughs> I they people just started looking out for each other. They 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 cared. They saw a backpack in the middle of the street. They would call in. They um, yeah, it was just a real shift that that I still feel like is kind of going on nowadays. And yeah, so I, if any, if there's a takeaway that's on the on the positive, that that um, we need to look out for each other. Definitely. Well, it's been great talking to you, Christina. Uh, I'm running out of time here, but if there's a way for people to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? I have a book website. It's Christina Ray Stanton, C H R I S T I N A R A Y S T A N T O N uh, dot com. So yeah, so I have a book that I've written on the COVID experience and 9-11. And again, they're not, they're not, they're not total downers, even though they're, 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 they're tough subjects. They're, they're subjects where I, I talk about things that I learned and how I grew through them and along with what the, what the actual event looked like um, going through it. So hopefully that there's some, there's some positive things that people can take from it. And, um, but yeah, so let's, let's all remember this year's 20th anniversary and, and just, you know, I'll remember those who died and remember how much, um, you know, how much we mean to each other and that, um, that we're accountable for each other and we're accountable for our neighbor and, and to help out where we can. Awesome. Thank you, Christina. Thanks for being on. Thanks for taking some of your time to be with us today. Sure. Thank you. Wow. That was great chatting with Christina Ray Stan and hearing her story of how she wound up in New York City. And then her witnessing of the horrific events of 9-11. And then further down the line, surviving COVID-19. Check out her work via her link in the show notes. As a reminder, voting ends on 10 September for the Veteran Podcast Awards. So please head over to VeteranPodcastAwards.com and cast your vote for us. Thank you. So you know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on the Misfit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this on. But you know what? We appreciate you. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because who are we? We are the Misfit Nation. <laughs>